When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson, and we'll dive into it. The Action Network's report from Brett McMurphy as Nebraska being investigated by the NCAA. As uh, Brett McMurphy reporting uh, some things here with the Nebraska football program. Improper use of analysts consultants during practices and games Uh, also uh, video footage of said practice violations uh, took place in the presence of scott frost and other assistants and you had uh, the ncaa prohibit organized athletic activities due to the pandemic so you have Use of analyst and a legal practice to dive in. Numbers to join us, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email Chris at HailVarsity.com and find us and follow us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio and uh, Will Wilson at Willie on the radio. It's where you follow him. Coming up, we'll check in with Erin Sorensen from Hale Varsity. She'll be with us in 20 minutes. And the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports' Bill Dolman, an emergency Wednesday show for Billy D. as uh, I think he is ready to launch on uh, some of these allegations. So we'll talk with, with Wild Bill here in a little bit. What do you think of this? As a Nebraska fan right now, you're 10 days till kickoff against the Illini. Do you feel under siege? Do you roll your eyes at these allegations? Are you are you ticked off? Are you are you already in, in panic pucker mode because well Illinois was going to be tough enough and now you have this potential distraction? The thing that wore me out as I watched the presser. This, this was uncomfortable, and, and it's happened to me. And it's happened to me as, as a parent. It's happened to me as a dog owner. When you're trying to tell somebody, either my 200-pound Labradoodle or my child, to go do something when they're younger, and they refuse. They're just, they're, no, not listening to you. I was a little weirded out by the the first few minutes of the joint uh, press session with Trev Alberts and and Scott Frost. And and maybe I'm making too much of this. But Trev's there. Trev's going to address. Trev's going to look in the eye. Trev's going to talk about what's going on. We'll hear about that in a moment. And, and, And two times, man, two times, you know, there's there's Trev and all right, Scott, you, you're you're the coach, bro. You got to get 
in front of the microphone, too. It's not quite family picture time, but come on. Two times he's trying to, to wave Scott, and like, Scott did it. But it's like he didn't want he didn't want to, clearly. But <laughs> it just looked like a parent trying to, to, to tell his child, dude, you need to come over here and, and do this. All right, we need a united front. I'm your AD. You're our coach. We work together. We're in this together. Get up here. Right? I wasn't here when all of this alleged behavior went on. Get up here. And and then when they're leaving, you know, Trev jumps in. No more questions. Thanks for coming. Try the veal. Uh, let's... <laughs> And then, come on, you know, Trev's trying to, to kind of shoo him out. And, and it's like Scott was just still the, the body language thing, yeah. man. And maybe I'm reading no, too I, much into I it. I saw but, it, too. But just, just the, the resistance. You have to listen to somebody now. As head football coach at Nebraska, you have to listen to your athletic director. And you, you need to lean on your AD. I don't know if this is going to be UTEP slap on the wrist where there's uh, the, the result of improper workouts is going to result in, okay, your coach can't participate in four practices, and there's a reduction of 10 on-campus recruiting interactions. I don't know if that's as minimal as it gets. Or I don't know if this is a situation where there's real suspension time. I don't know if if, if Nebraska is going to say, okay, NCAA, let's talk turkey here. What can we do to make you happy and go away? Does, does Scott need to serve a game? Does Scott need to sit a half? Is Scott going to get to watch the Fordham game at home? And the other part of that is if, if, if we're talking, you know, a self-imposed suspension, would, would Scott Frost go along with that? I mean, those are, those are two questions I have. The other, the other part of this uh, salt in wound is is kind of some some clarity on what the hell happened with Oklahoma Nebraska. We all hear things. I had heard and I talked a little bit about during the summer that you know I, I think the last guy who wants to to get out of Oklahoma Nebraska is Bill Moose as AD. But let's hear from from Trev Alberts. Let's hear from Scott Frost. Uh, we'll start with Trev here as uh, Trev, his opening statement. Not a lot discussed, not a lot that, that, that Trev and Nebraska could go into. And here is Trev Alberts. Uh, we just wanted to acknowledge uh, that there is an NCAA investigation uh, that is currently engaged with our athletic department and our football program specifically. Uh, we want you to know that uh, we have complied 100% with the NCAA, been very collaborative uh, in our approach with them in terms of all of their investigation. We will continue to do whatever the NCAA has asked us to do. Uh, our coaches, including Coach Frost, have uh, done a great job uh, and have been very accessible in working with the NCAA as we've worked through these allegations. So this is an ongoing investigation, obviously. So while we would love to pre- provide additional context and details, uh, we simply can't do that at this time. It's an ongoing investigation. Uh, but I wanted to come here with Scott and acknowledge uh, you saw the reports earlier that there is an active investigation uh, with our football program. We will continue to comply. 
uh, as we have done, and unfortunately we're not going to be able to share a whole lot of details while it's an ongoing investigation. Trev Albert, so Coach Frost has legal counsel. The NCAA has interviewed Scott Frost, multiple current and former staff members, administration, and Nebraska football players regarding these allegations. That's the source to Action Network and Brett McMurphy. So unauthorized, organized workouts per action held at the direction of NU strength and conditioning staff, which was in direct violation of NCAA rules. Okay, so you're, you're working out during COVID when no one's supposed to be working out. And I'll be honest with you. I think everybody was working out during COVID. Does it make it right? No. But here's the thing. There's an art form to this. If you're going to push the envelope, are you going to paper cut somebody? You've got to be fleet of foot and you've got to be creative. And you've got to be in a little bit of gray. And when it comes to the art of guys, we need to work out. We need to get better. This is a good spot for us all to be in and kind of gel and and get bigger, stronger, faster. What you do is you don't put analysts or strength and conditioning in the crosshairs because of attention to detail. You call your team in, your four best, your, your four baddest, your four greatest leaders, and you say, hey, this pandemic's screwing us. We need to get bigger, stronger, faster. You guys know it, too. It'd be a great idea for some teammates to get together. Get together. We can't do it. You got to do it. You got to want to do it. But, but make it truly player-led. Don't have any involvement. And that's an attention to detail thing. The artwork. Nebraska's lacked attention to detail a lot the last three and a half years. Nebraska also, from a standpoint, we'll get to the calls in a minute. I think as, as a fan base and as a program, I think to, to my count, there's maybe four or five major infractions ever, okay? You got to go back to 85 or 86 that Dolman was talking about with the, the player ticket scandal. Uh, you got to go to 75, and then you got to go to 67, okay? And then you got to go to 2012 with T.O. turning in Nebraska because they had too many damn books. Okay, that was that was deemed major, but uh, you know you didn't get end up on a milk carton during bowl season. Okay, so Nebraska has not been been perfect. No one's perfect, but Nebraska has been really clean, very clean, and you've had minimal compliance issues, and you you don't ever want to be on the radar with the NCAA. You don't want to be you freeze and Ole Miss. Think of the teams that always get busted for, for problems. Pick somebody from the Southwest Conference. Right? There's always that attachment. Arkansas, football, years. They're, they're just in trouble from time to time. Not recently, but right from time to time. You don't want to be on the radar. Now you're on the radar. Let's go to the phones real quick. We'll continue on with uh, these, uh, this investigation. Jason joins us. Jason, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Schmitty, that was a good observation. Uh, that was awkward. Uh, you know, uh, 
Albert's, you know, he's, like you said, in that short little clip, said the word investigation like four times. He's being accountable. He is being accountable. He's standing up and saying, this is the BS that's going on, and I'm letting you all know about it. Yes, that's exactly right. I'm so excited, honestly, because when we were rocking around here, you know, Bill Byrne was a strong AD. Some people didn't like him for whatever reasons. You know, uh, Devaney charged you more money, Jason. That's why they didn't like him. Yeah, really. Uh, We had a strong AD. You know, Alvarez up at Wisconsin, your bud. You know, they have changed coaches several times since he retired, but they haven't missed a beat. They've had a strong AD. I think Alvarez is going to ship shape him up. I personally, no one has to agree with me, but I think Frost will be out of here after this year. I'm not even saying they're going to fire him. I think he just realizes he's in over his head. He could be a great assistant. He, he doesn't, you know. He he gave his heart and soul to Nebraska. Gave us a national title. His parents, you know, have given to Nebraska sports. And you know, his dad was a stud player here. His mom was an Olympian. The the Frost family has no apologies to make. But I think the job is too big for Scott Frost. It's pretty clear. And yeah, he doesn't have to listen to me, a forty-something guy who never played major college football. But I think it's loud and clear. He's just not the right guy. Here and I think it will. I think this will be his last year. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong, but you know, today was not a good look. And you explained it really well how you laid it out. Thanks, Schmitty. Jason. Appreciate the call. You know, I I don't know if that is a reality or not. I am not diving in on day one of news of a NCAA investigation calling my shot on a coach's tenure. Uh, I just. I want to see things play out. I want to see things play out. And you've you've had on-field issues. I mean, you've had your own self-imposed errors on the field. You've had off-field headlines. And now we get to the Oklahoma portion of the program, uh, per Brett McMurphy. And in this story, he says that Frost and Lambrecht I always screwed Jared's name up. My bad. Shopped around trying to find a replacement for Oklahoma without the permission of then-athletic director Bill Moose. Frost in favor of removing the Oklahoma game. You want to piss off Nebraska fans. That's about as bad, if it's true, looking to, to, to duck looking to get out of potential embarrassment. That's awful to your team. Again, if true. Hey, you're trying to practice, trying to get better. Whatever. People roll their eyes at this analyst thing anyway. Nick Saban's got 7,000 analysts down there. They all eventually turn into his next OC. Okay? If you're an, if you're, if you're an offensive or defensive analyst at Alabama, you're, you're in AAA until someone else gets hired away. Uh, when it comes to the the illegal practices and you know strength and conditioning there when there shouldn't have been, it comes down to self and haf- to health and safety during a pandemic that you'll get slaughtered for if you willingly just said screw it, we're going to go do this. You can still do things as a team, but you can't be hands on with it. Can't even be near it. And again, that comes down to attention to detail. I think you could see a suspension proposal. I don't know if the coach will accept that. And then you get into deeper water with uh, what the AD and the athletic administration want to do versus 
a head coach who can be stubborn. It's a bigger conversation. Numbers to get in, to get your thoughts here, uh, your reaction to this investigation by the NCAA. Last part about this, and and I, I again, I am not accusing, I am not insinuating, I am asking the question about once the NCAA sniffs around. And I go to USC, and this doesn't apply to Nebraska, but this is what happens as an example with the NCAA. They come on campus at USC in the mid, you know, 20, 20, 2004, 2005, a little bit after the Reggie Bush era. They're on campus for basketball, and what do they start hearing and seeing? Well, let's look at football. All of a sudden, uh, you know, Pete Carroll's on his way to Seattle, and Reggie doesn't have a Heisman. And there's some wins that are vacated. You don't want to know if there are skeletons on the premises. You don't want to tell them where the shovel's at. They find it when they're here. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Yeah, there was football today. We'll get there, here from Greg Austin on some of the offensive line. A little bit of Matt Lubick. Uh, more from Scott Frost on the Oklahoma situation. We welcome in with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Social Media Extraordinaire. We say hi to Aaron Sorensen uh, with Hale Varsity. Aaron, how's your Wednesday? Oh, you know, not not terrible, but definitely different than I think most of us imagine our Wednesdays to go. <laughs> just, just a touch, just a touch. Nothing, just a touch. Nothing to see here. Keep walking. What's your take on this? What 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 is your immediate gut reaction when Trev Albert's got his fantastic uh, dress shirt press? He's got the red tie on, the black suit, and then there's old Frosty next to him today for an impromptu emergency quick presser. What was going through your mind? Well, I think they had to do that. And I think having both of them there was definitely a sign of, you know, it's one thing to have one individual person come out, but considering the statement that had been released prior to that was from Trev Alberts, it made sense that he was there. And um, as he said, he wasn't, he wasn't privy to any of this prior to being hired. So having Frost standing there as well, I think is, is what to expect in that moment. So I guess I wasn't surprised that either of them spoke and we knew that they wouldn't be able to offer much, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely going to be a bit of a, we've already seen it. People feel very conflicted. There's, there's a lot of feelings all across the board. You know, these infractions, depending on your viewpoint are, you know, the analyst piece is fairly minor. The piece on practices uh, during a pandemic when the NCAA was saying that there could not be organized team practices and workouts or strength and conditioning, whatever you want to call them. Um, That might be a little bit more concerning, but overall I think it's just kind of a culmination of it just feels like Nebraska continues to have sort of these snafus, if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, now this time the NCAA is the one uh, coming calling. So it, you know, there's been a wide range of opinions. I think that's going to continue for a while. So I don't think it was terrible to have both of them, stand there and at least just be the face of it for now, even if they couldn't offer much. 
Aaron, is, is there an office pool going on, on for entertainment purposes only on, on when the NCAA completes their investigation? Is this thing going to hang over for half of a season, for another week, go into the season? Uh, and, and who drew, uh, who drew uh, November uh, with the office pool? <laughs> we haven't started the office pool yet, but I, I will say it's not going to be quick. The NCAA does not move quickly on these types of things. I mean, if we look at their investigation from this spring when there was concerns and legitimate concerns brought forward with how they were handling women's events, uh, compared to men's, I mean, how that took what three, almost about three or so months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NCAA is not known to move quickly, so I, I would definitely not be taking a week from now. If that was the case, I would I would be absolutely shocked. I think most people would. So it feels like at this time point, November seems fair. So does Nebraska preemptively act with a suspension, with a public censure? Is that some route or road Nebraska could go down? I mean, we're 10 days from Illinois. Is Frost wearing a headset? I imagine he will be. I just, I, it's, I, I don't know if Nebraska will necessarily enforce its own sanctions. It really depends on sort of what is ultimately, how, how serious does Nebraska feel this, inve- like how serious are the allegations in this investigation? What do they feel the NCAA has to find out. I, I, that's the thing that we don't really fully know. We know like what people have said, what the NCAA is investigating. But even you know today, Trev Albert said we can acknowledge that there's an NCAA investigation. We really cannot go into the details. That that is definitely the challenge here. Is you don't really know, I guess, what to say because. If we don't know, I, I suppose, how serious some of this is or not, not serious, I don't know. There's been, like I said, opinions every which way on the subject. I don't, I don't think. I don't, I don't know. I don't think you do. At least, not at least right now, because I don't know what, I don't know what there is for them to self-sanction just yet. Well, it'd be, it'd be an admission of guilt. It's just preemptive. All right, NCAA, we're going to. Say we're sorry, and we're going to show you we're sorry. Here's a fine. Here's a suspension. Now, now go away. If, if there's right. if there's the proverbial tip of the iceberg that has happened at other programs, you know, what what's your take on this Oklahoma uh, spotlight again in in McMurphy's article when he goes into detail about uh, Frost and, and Lembrecht uh, trying to get out of the Oklahoma game behind Moose's back. Were you, were you shocked by that? I guess, especially after what we walked through already with the Oklahoma uh, matchup and everything that sort of surrounded it, that, you know, not necessarily. We, I think we knew that there was a lot of talk behind closed doors. I think a lot of people were evaluating the situation and, Uh, whether they were doing that with one another or separately was kind of the piece of like how much did this person know and how much did that person know. And clearly there were some conversations that were happening independently of one another. And, you know, it's, it's too bad because it brings this whole thing right back up into the spotlight when you have Coach Frost at the press conference today saying he has respect for that rivalry and he did not make any phone calls on scheduling and it's, it's one of those things where he may not have made any phone calls regarding the scheduling, but he could have certainly had a conversation with somebody. So it, it definitely um, it definitely shines a new light on what we already knew and kind of, I think, provides a little bit more context to some of those questions that were previously had. 
where it was like, well, who knew what and when? This seems to kind of maybe offer a little bit more to that. So I, I don't think necessarily surprised that there were conversations ha- were happening independently from other people. But I, I do think a lot of people were maybe surprised by how in-depth it went or how, how far it went in that, like, in some cases, it seemed that Bill Moose was willing to take the fall for it. Yeah, the Moose, I mean, the way it's painted here is he jumped on the old grenade uh, and it, it just doesn't look good if your head coach and his uh, right-hand guy at the time were, were trying to get out and that they could go behind their boss's back. Aaron Sorensen's with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Aaron Sorensen on Twitter. It's where you follow her and uh, check out her other social channels and great stuff with Greg Smith on the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel as well. And uh, Aaron, real quick on, on the podcast, uh, let folks know about your podcast and what the latest episode is. Oh, sure. The Mind Your Own podcast, we typically, we don't stick to sports because people always yell at me to stick to sports, and I just can't do that. Um, but this week, it actually... It fits well with this topic. Uh, we didn't actually go into this because we didn't know any of this Nebraska news was going to break, but we talk about how it's okay to feel uh, different ways about one particular piece of information, and that you know centered around some stories that had come out about Naomi Osaka and how she handled her role in the public eye. But it, it's in the same in this. I think a lot of Nebraska fans, it, it feels really relatable in this moment where you can feel really complex and com- like honestly conflicted where you could feel one way in parts about this story and other ways in another. And I guess, like, the whole point was it's okay if that's how you feel. So if Nebraska fans are trying to come to terms, hey, come on over to the Mind Your Own podcast. We'll walk you through how that's okay. It's okay to feel conflicted about these things. Do you feel okay, as you heard from Matt Lubick and Greg Austin today and some players, do you feel okay about the offense? You know, I think that there's some areas to feel – hopeful about with the offense. I'm particularly excited about the running backs. We've heard enough about them. They're obviously trying to find that one person. I'm still a little unsure what to make of the wide receiver group, so that gives me some pause, and obviously your offense is really as good as your quarterback, so for all of the praise we've heard for Adrian Martinez, we really need to see it for ourselves to know kind of what we're working with. So I would say I am cautiously optimistic. I think there are some pieces to be excited about uh, but it's definitely one of those things where we kind of need to see it in action to know, is there any, is there any holes here? Is there anything that we, we are not privy to yet in fall camp? And, well, we'll know in just a little over, you know, 10 days, I guess 10 days. Mm-hmm. 10 days. Are you concerned about Turner Corcoran's availability at left tackle? I found that funny today when Greg Austin basically kind of corrected himself and said, no, he will be available. I, I guess I'm I'm not completely knowing that they feel good that they have uh, depth on the offensive line. They do feel they have a number of players who can sort of rotate around, and we do know that Greg Austin's big on rotating if they have to and, and shuffling people around based on what they need. But I guess for now we'll take his word for it that Turner sounds like may be available for that first game, so... I won't say I'm worried yet. Maybe I'll feel differently when we get into game week and suddenly that we get a totally different update. Maybe then I'll be telling you, nope, I'm really worried now. <laughs> you've got, you went to Nebraska, you've covered Nebraska for years. And am I okay in saying that Nebraska fans and just the, those that are f- close to the program, 
Nebraska's kind of always seen itself as above the fray. I mean, that's how I have felt growing up. Like, Nebraska's going to go play football, they're going to win ball games, and they're not going to get in any, any hot water doing it. It's not that they never have, but they're not like a lot of programs you hear about, Aaron. It, it was today a bit of a bombshell with, uh, with uh, McMurphy. Uh, yes and no. It feels like, honestly, I mean, I'm not putting this all on social media, but obviously social media has changed the game. The more accessibility to things, the ability to see things has brought more to the forefront. Nebraska is also in a position where it has become a bit of a punching bag. I think back even to when Bo Pliny and that tape came out and people were so quick to want to jump on that. And, you know, that was a big story at the time, but it just, Nebraska I saw some people say this. It wouldn't necessarily keep the NCAA away, but some of the uh, jokes would certainly be less if Nebraska was winning. Winning cures a lot of things, and I think Nebraska just has been sort of in its in its the place where it's been for just almost too long at this point. And so, I guess I'm not surprised because as things continue to go this path and people seek answers, and there are you know more and more. More and people, more and more people are willing to be critical. You're going to see more of this. It just, it, it feels, it feels kind of just like a culmination of so many things. But I would say it's built over time. I would say at this point we're kind of seeing more and more of this, and you got, you got to at some point the, the the drama around it has to end. The winning has to start. I think a lot of people would agree with that. And so um, the best way for me to put it is Nebraska seems to find itself in the news for all the wrong reasons and really needs to start finding itself there for winning. Aaron Sorensen, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Mind your own podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, download it. Follow her at Aaron Sorensen on Twitter. Aaron, thanks for chatting today. Thanks for the coverage. We'll uh, catch up soon. Ten days. Ten days, and hey, I'm off to volleyball now, so there's also that. There's also that. <laughs> Good work. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Aaron Sorensen, uh, Bill Dolman's coming up here next hour. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for your time, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big thanks to the folks who came out to uh, Cunningham's on the Lake in Kearney yesterday. Awesome to do a road show. Uh, excited to be back in studio as well. Will Wilson here, Chris Schmidt, and find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Willie on the radio and can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Uh, are you worried, big deal, or stupid deal uh, based on what the NCAA is investigating? Here's my thought here, and we'll get to some some audio here from Coach Frost on on the Oklahoma situation. And also Greg Austin, because yes, football's in 10 days. How the hell is the O-line and run game going to look like? But when I think of the NCAA and, and how do they move in on this, they are alerted and then they respond. All right. So there's significant video footage confirming the practice violations took place. The NCAA's met with Coach Frost. They've met with the Nebraska administration. Uh, 
and you have this this video evidence with coaches on site, analysts overanalyzing uh, in the presence of Frost and other assistants. And so if you're Scott Frost, you, you get legal counsel because there's $20 million uh, left on your deal. And if there are people within the university at some point that don't like how you're not winning, this could be used as cause to say, there's the door, pack your office, and by the way, your $20 million's gone. Zero. Or it can be negotiated down significantly less than $20 million. That's like worst case scenario and moving on. But if you're the NCAA, you've got a lot of candidates to go call. You have a lot of people you can knock on the door. And one of the and I don't know who Brett McMurphy's source or sources are, but you've got two people that are that are no longer part of the Nebraska football staff. You have Jonathan Rutledge was was asked to be a special teams analyst, and then he didn't just have a couple sets of tire tracks on him. He had a lot of tire tracks on him after January when he got blown out. Here, go make our special teams better. They weren't. Coach said as much about how bad the special teams were publicly. And if you're Jonathan Rutledge, that can screw you getting a job, a future job. And your job was to, to be a special teams analyst, let technically you're not allowed to be on field and, and do your special teams thing. Jared Lambrecht also left the program recently. And as as the uh, the action network almost said stadium, as the action is, you know, Brett McMurphy's been with three places in the last few years. These departures don't know if it's related to the ongoing investigation. There were some egregious actions taken by the football program. One of the sources say. So I look at the the movement here. Find the NCAA, and got to ask yourself: Does Scott Frost have? enemies has he made enemies is there a a faction out there that just don't want him to succeed yeah that's what it sounds like and and a lot of those success should should be about on field and obviously off field behavior but on field that isn't uh, something you can hang on to right now either 12 and 20 trying to get it turned around I'd like to see them have a chance with him leading the way in year four and do that. They've put a lot of work in, clearly. Because if we're talking timetable here, when are these illegal practices happening? We're looking here between March and June when you couldn't have any workouts going. If you you hit rewind and go back to when this pandemic was raging. But if I'm the NCAA, who do I reach out to? Well, I can call Rutledge because he isn't a happy dude. No on-field coach got lit up or replaced, but he was the guy that was picked out and tossed aside last year because of special teams play. So totally, potentially disgruntled. How many people have transferred from Nebraska football? I don't know. I don't know. But it might rival the number of animals on the ark. 
Spielman, Wandale, Warner, McCaffrey, those are some of the dudes that got to touch the football and play ball. If I'm the NCAA, I'm making a phone call to some former players. There's a lot to choose from. <laughs> and if you're the NCAA, you can go to Rutledge. Brother, you're on film here. Do you want to coach again or we'll make sure you never coach again? So, tell us about your time at Nebraska. And that's, that's how the NCAA is going to move forward with this. All right, let's get into some football. Can we talk? Can we hear from Greg Austin? Yeah. Is that all right? Can yeah. we talk some run game, run the damn ball? Let's can we do it. figure this out? Let's get an update on Turner Corker. And uh, Aaron Sorensen alluded to it a little bit earlier. But how's that left tackle looking here for Illinois? He's doing well. Um, minor setback, um, but he's progressing well, and uh, we should have him uh, available here soon. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> no, we'll, uh, he'll be ready. Thank you, Greg. Maybe, <laughs> possibly, sort of. Soft tissue that can flare up, right? You know all about that. You got the, the, the Ginobili, you know, noon ball, Y ball pickup game. You get, you get to a certain age, Willie, and you just can't move like you used to. Soft tissue. I don't know if I've ever dealt with that, Schmitty. You never pulled a hammy? No. Not yet? Nothing too bizarre. You're too young. I'm, I'm not that athletic. That's the thing. You are too young. I think you're you're sneaky athletic, Will. Oh, That's what we're going to go with. Uh, and we're not even going to categorize me. <laughs> Elements of a downhill run game. You want to you hear the smile in Greg Austin's voice that... Uh, that's something that Nebraska, I think, will, will have a focal point or at least an emphasis in Big Ten ball. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to showcase it. You know, I want our guys to be confident. I want our backs to be confident uh, in the holes. I want those guys to be confident in the systems and the schemes. Uh, and I want our guys going full speed. I want us to attack folks. And that's, that's the mindset. You know, we got to attack people downhill. In this conference, the people that win are the people that can run the football consistently. You know, so. He's right. It's mentality. More from uh, Greg Austin on running the damn ball. He was asked about the hats, the T-shirts. Is it going to be a reality for your offense? Well, I haven't received a hat like that yet. But uh, eventually they'll probably buy that hat for me too. Um, no, they, they, they bought those hats. I don't know exactly where those hats came from. Um, but, yeah, run the damn ball. Like, let's run the football. Why is that right? style something that they embrace? Because it's an offensive lineman, babe. I mean, hell, if you're an offensive lineman, then you got to embrace physicality and you got to embrace just grittiness, you know. And there's no greater joy than taking a man against his will from point A to point B, right? So that's the mindset. So that's the run the damn ball mentality. Preach on. We'll wind down hour one at Tail Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. We, we, really? We, we picked this We picked this song? We picked this song. It could, it could still be a good day, Schmitty. Well, no, I, I get it. It's a great song, but not the day to play Ice Cube. Welcome in. Winding down hour one. That was uh, 
that just rotated in. We're gonna thank you. We're gonna throw uh, the computer yes under the bus. That's right. Let's hear from Scott Frost real quick uh, when it comes to uh, what he didn't do, and and that's make a phone call about the Oklahoma situation that's now front and center due to Brett McMurphy's report. Uh, and we've we've hammered home a lot of uh, this NCAA investigation. You heard from Trev Alberts, Aaron Sorensen, and the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports' Bill Dolman, who, ironically enough, told the story about getting the president of the NCAA and whatever liquor Devaney wanted delivered in time last week just before kickoff against Florida State when Nebraska was going to maybe have like 30 guys out due to uh, benefits and in, in selling their, their student tickets uh, against Florida State. But uh, here's Coach Frost. Yeah, I, I've never made one single phone call in regards to our schedule. Uh, that's not my job. Um, and I, everything we did through COVID, I've addressed both those things a lot. Uh, Parker, everything we did through COVID was with the best interest and health of our players in mind. And everything we did was uh, approved by athletic department administration and campus administration. So a couple of things. Uh, one, he's not lying. He probably didn't make a phone call to some group of five teams. Hey, uh, how do you feel about the 18th of September? He's probably not making that phone call. Somebody who's working for him making that phone call. Has there been talks about making that phone call? I mean, Sammy McEwen reporting today in the World Herald about uh, a off-the-record conversation Bill Moose had with the World Herald. And Bill's like, dude, people are going to freak. I'm paraphrasing. If you try and get out of Oklahoma, <laughs> no, no, uh, is, is my reaction. But yet, movement forward, I mean, you had Frost and Lembrecht they're painted as key proponents of ditching the game for an easier opponent. There's uh, never a single phone call made. Frost said he loved the rivalry. Moose told the World Herald in the spring that he advised Frost not to consider moving the game. The Moose is now in Montana, $3 million. Don't know if it's all in ones. And it didn't, didn't respond to comment. Okay, that's part one about the phone call. But the other side of this is, yeah, he can, he can love the rivalry. He can embrace it. I, I can't wait for it. Now, 10 days from now is going to be the mother of all gut checks. And it could be program defining. Listen to me hype and hyperbole. You got this cloud that's a long-term storm potentially with an investigation. You've got a season where you got to get wins and get to be a bowl-eligible team. And then you got an unknown tough opponent. 
Bill Dolman, going to light up next on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson, and we bring in uh, the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. It's Bill Dolman, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Uh, well, kind of an emergency press conference type setting, much like this morning. Uh, NCAA investigation, uh, a man who knows Nebraska football like no other has been a part of it, has covered it, has sent with Coach T.O., and obviously, obviously uh, covered Coach Frost. And uh, we say hi to Bill. Bill, it's, it's not Friday. It's Wednesday. And there's a lot of ground to cover. To cover. How are you doing today? Well, I'm a bit of a state of shock, actually. Uh, for the first time, and I, I can't remember the last time, I, I read a college football article in the Denver Post. So that was somewhat stunning that uh, they actually covered college football. And, of course, it was Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, imagine imagine that. I, I just can't believe what I read. Well, Not that I read, not the story that I read, the fact that I read a college football okay. story in yeah. the Denver Post. We got to get clarity on that, yeah. right? It's almost yeah. like, okay, you can step here, but you can't be out there if you're an analyst. Right. <laughs> Talk to me. Right. Let's let's just start from, from square one here. Headline, Nebraska football under investigation for NCAA violations. Let, let's start big picture. Where did this originate? Is this an inside job? Is this a disgruntled player? Is this a former analyst? Or I mean, Talk to me here and put on your either your tinfoil hat or your Michael Corleone black suit. Okay, well, first of all, when anybody sees the headline, initially you are probably shocked, gut-punched, despondent, disappointed. But then as the day has gone on, it started to come back to me, the words of the great sports philosopher, um, Alan Iverson, we talking about practice. Mm-hmm. So this, to me, is being blown way out of proportion, just based on what I know and what I have read, like everybody else. Are there deeper roots to this? Sure, there certainly could be. If there are, why didn't Brett McMurphy of the Action Network write more extensively about that? If there's a greater story than what we're hearing, I would think that he would have held on to it and gone as as deep as he could so that something really damning would come out. But the more I read about this, and I've gone through every you know website I could find with some sense of respectability, and it just keeps coming back to Nebraska may have had practice, or I mean, sorry, workouts off campus during the pandemic, which the NCAA frowned upon, and that they used. And this is this is where I got this from the Denver Post. They used. Uh, let me let me find it. Um, impermissible use of experts. Okay, well, right there, I think Nebraska just needs to run one play from the Illinois game and say, we didn't have any experts. <laughs> when, when the Illinois punter is running around 48 yards to pick up 14, 
Um, and looking at our special teams last year, we didn't have any experts as our analysts. Um, you know, so here's the footage. In, here's, in the here's some footage of our own. We weren't using an expert illegally because clearly we had none. Exactly. So that guy may have been coming down and talking to Scott or whomever just to get somebody to listen to him when they're going, look, we really don't want to talk to you right now, okay? So, look, I, I, I as, as a, I'm not a journalist. I've never pretended to be one on TV, but I get the biz, okay? I, I get what's kind of going on here. Brett McMurphy is, I believe, on his third or fourth uh, publication in the last, what, three, four, five years, somewhere in that regard. That's not unusual for people to move jobs. But he's gone from ESPN to Stadium to, I believe, something else, and now to the Action Network. The Action Network I had not heard of until Darren Ravel, who had been at ESPN and CNBC and landed at the Action Network, which is a sports gambling website, uh, all of a sudden they become somewhat of a, uh, I don't want to say secondary or sisters, you know, type publication to the athletic, but it's, 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 a, it's a growing or it's trying to grow as a sports destination. All right. So what do we do? Let's put something out there on the eve of the college football season and get a big story out of it and get a lot of hits and a lot of clicks and a lot of interest in our website. To me, that's part of the gamble here. The gambit here is that this is an is this is a clickbait story, and people clicked on it, and that's part of the game. I get it, but you read in there in that story, unnamed sources again, unnamed sources again. Okay, unnamed sources. That has become the go-to in nearly every facet of journalism of this generation. Um, the one that the part of that article that really really bothers me is where he gets into the Oklahoma stuff. And he says, I reported when sources said to me, and I got back and my story indicated, all of a sudden that became about him. All right? This is not to discount what Nebraska may or may not have done, but this seemed to be something to get some attention directed toward him. When a reporter or somebody, not a columnist, when a reporter starts using I, me, and my, that's a red flag to me. He could have written that paragraph completely differently, but no, he injected himself into the story as part of the story about Nebraska and Oklahoma. Uh, and that's, that's the big problem that I have with this, with this journalistic piece in this era of journalism. It's not about you, but he made it about you. And now he's made it about his publication. That's trying to get some clicks. All right. That's the way the game is played these days. Did Nebraska do something wrong? Maybe. Did, did they violate rules when they shouldn't? Possibly. But unless there's something more to the story, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see where this is much more than a 24-hour thing and a headache for Trev and Scott Frost. And, and maybe Scott brought it upon himself. Maybe there's somebody disgruntled out there. That's certainly a possibility. I've been disgruntled about our special teams for a lot longer than that guy's been disgruntled out of a job. <laughs> Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, the, the source. And do you get the sense or the vibe, Bill, that back to the the North Stadium, is there somebody in North Stadium that doesn't want to see Scott keep doing his thing? You know, you could find somebody in every North Stadium in every school around the country 
who probably doesn't like the way things are going on. You could call everybody whose name is in the transfer portal and ask them to say something negative about the place they left, and you're bound to find somebody who's going to say something. Uh, so is, is there perhaps, did, uh, did the special teams analysts rub people the wrong way? Maybe. Did uh, Jared Lambrecht, who's no longer there, was, was there an issue there? I don't know. I'm not there on a day-to-day basis. And from what I understand, it may not be the most open uh, society to begin with. But, yeah, th- th- that could be a-, a possibility anywhere. you know. Uh, but I think you're going to find that with former players at every institution that there is. And sooner or later, somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to leak a video. I mean, uh, Lord knows we can go all the way back to Danny Nee and – you know, having that that famous basketball practice at Mabel Lee Hall with the towels over the windows was but, that you know, was that Danny or was that the predecessor? Well, you know what? That might have been that might have been Mo. I, I don't remember. I, I think it was Mo. Mo had was a hell of a long time ago. But okay, so they're practicing when they shouldn't have been, and somebody got maybe that was you know a, a tape recorder that got sneakers squeaking on the floor and a picture of the towel over the door. This happens everywhere, unfortunately. But for this to be based on what we've read so far being elevated to some major NCAA investigative scandal, I think is a bit overplayed and a bit ridiculous. And if you go, and I have said this for years now on this show and any, and anywhere else that people listen, when is something going to happen to Arizona? When is something going to happen to Kansas basketball, Duke, North Carolina, Louisville actually fired Rick Pitino. Sean Miller is out at Arizona, but the college basketball scandal that should have rocked the game was actually started in about 2015. Okay. The NCAA has put into place this IARP independent accountability um, resolution process. This was supposed to expedite some of the NCAA cases that are out there. From what I understand, this was 2019. They have one of those basketball programs implicated from 2015, 16, 17, and 18. The one has a hearing. Nobody else is talking to anybody else about Kansas or any of that stuff. So I would not expect if, if I'm Scott Frost in Nebraska, I'm thinking we're in trouble for this. Well, I guess uh, give us a call in 2029 because that's the way things move around the NCAA. And who knows if they're going to get in trouble anyway? Baylor just got slapped with a $5,000 fine, right? Mm-hmm. Look at what you know. Michigan State harbored one of the great felons of all time. Nothing's going to happen to them, right? Fair. North Carolina has an entire department of studies with 200 classes available to football, basketball. Oh, by the way, it was available to every other student on campus. They're all bogus classes, but because everybody could take a bogus class, there's no NCAA violation there. So no problem. But based on what we know, Nebraska worked out and tried to stay healthy during a pandemic and hired maybe the worst special teams coordinator in the history of college football. Right now, that's all we know that Nebraska is guilty of. But don't tell me about NCAA processes, adjudication, and coming down hard on somebody because North Carolina, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor. Bruce Rasmussen got in trouble. You know, they're a level two violation at, at, uh, at Creighton. Bruce Rasmussen is retire- retiring. Roy Williams is retiring. Sean Miller quit. But nobody seems to be getting in trouble with some of the most egregious, egregious violations of NCAA protocol in years, and maybe in college sports history. But Nebraska's in trouble 
because they had some off-campus workouts? Okay. Bill Dolman's with us. Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Uh, wanted to get his take on the NCAA investigation for violations. Let's talk bigger picture. Does Nebraska move this thing along quicker for resolution so it doesn't continue to hang over and preemptively fine Coach Frost, fine somebody, or do they do they ask for a half suspension, a game suspension? Does Frosty get to watch the uh, the, the Fordham game at his lake house? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what do you, what what do you do next if you're Trev Alberts, other than a, be accountable, which he was. He showed up. Now, that wasn't the finest moment of, of, between Frosty and, and, and Trev, and I'm not trying to make too much out of it, but Scott looked like he was getting hauled into the principal's office where he just shot your window out with a BB gun. <laughs> well, kudos to Trev Alberts for getting out there um, and, and, you know, saying something. And, and I, I appreciate that. I respect that and, and expected really nothing less of Trev. Um, he didn't hide. Now he hid behind, uh, we're in an investigation and we can't say anything. Well, that's what you should say, but at least he went out there and put a face to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scott didn't look like he wanted to be there. Uh, I, I can understand why, you know, one of the, you know, the preemptive strikes you always hear about self-imposed penalties and then the NCA will tax something else. Oh, okay. Well, you, you, two weeks of no official visits. Uh, okay. Thanks. You know, um, and does, does Scott have to – I could see where Nebraska might say, all right, Scott, I know, you know, the Fordham rivalry is important to all of us at Nebraska, and it goes back literally weeks. Um, maybe maybe we may sit this one out, okay? Uh, I, I don't know. I, but I could see where Nebraska says, look, some of the people who were involved in this are no longer here, all right? Mm-hmm. Bill Moose, for whatever Bill Moose – may have done or may not have done or may have approved or may not have approved, Bill Moose isn't around anymore. And I would assume that when Nebraska gave him uh, $3, or $3 million in singles and 20s, that maybe they wrapped him in a note that said, uh, go no away quietly. No right. comment ever. Uh, you know, same with uh, Jared Lambert. And I don't know if Jared Lambert is guilty of anything, mm-hmm. right? But the people who are around to organize and to approve are not around any longer. All right? So they're not within the program. We've got we got the message, and yeah, Scott and Larry the Cable Guy are going to hang out and tell jokes and watch the game from Pawnee City. How's that? We good? Okay, thanks, Bill. That's is, a, that's a script. I love it. Yeah, you know, this kind of reminds me of you know 1986. Hang on, I believe hang on, hang on. I've got a minute. Can I get five more minutes with you? Yeah, I I, I got the Winter Olympics coming up in February, so I got some time. Okay. That's uh, Bill Dolman. Bill, I've got about a minute. We're up against a hard break, but we're getting uh, the Pride of Fairbury's reaction here to the NCAA investigation. We'll also have uh, some comments from Greg Austin, uh, more on the offensive line. Coach Lubick did speak, but on uh, everyone's mind today, you know, what's next for Nebraska football? What is the timeline which nobody knows here on the expediency of, of the NCAA, how quick and fast or long and droning this investigation will be. And the uh, program uh, investigated for improper use of analysts per a source to Brett McMurphy. The program allegedly also held off-campus workouts. 
during the pandemic, a violation of NCAA rules. And we get into a gray area for sure, because if it's just a player-led workout, guys can go do that. Now, Nebraska is not being investigated for workouts, but they're being talked about in this report. So is that something that the NCAA globs on to? More from the Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, NBC Sports. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. A couple more minutes here. Bill Dolman with us, NBC Sports, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thoughts on uh, Brett McMurphy's article with action in the uh, investigation. Bill, uh, to touch on 1986, you, you had an eloquent story about picking up bottles and people for Devaney <laughs> just last Friday. I mean, and, and who'd have thought there'd be foreshadowing? Uh, what's the NCAA drink this this uh, in, in 2021? What'd they drink in 86? Well, back in 86, I'm sure it was the doers are better. Now I think it's probably soy milk, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I I was running the end street back then. I'd probably be going to natural grocers now. Uh-huh. Um, so it's you know, I'm sure, the hell of a lot more fun back then. You know, I I think this this is very just very similar. It was on the eve of now that was Florida State <laughs> literally like 24 hours before we were supposed to play Florida State when this whole player ticket thing um, you know kind of blew up. And certainly drew a lot of attention to, you know, the season opener to the college football season. Uh, week one, not week zero, whatever that means. Um, you know, and so Bob and Walt Byers got it all hammered out in, uh, or got hammered out in their, you know, in their meeting and everything was fine. And we played and kicked off the season and won and everything was great. And they kind of changed their policies after that, as I recall. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, somewhat similar. Uh, it, it, this, again, I, I, I get Nebraska may have done something it should not have done, but when you're starting to lump it in with, you know, level one, level two, level three violations, you know, level one violation is violating the integrity of the NCAA. That's in there. That's severe. That's the severe uh, uh, violation, violating the integrity of the NCAA. Okay. I'm going to go back to 2015, 16, 17, and 18, with all of these college basketball programs, and nothing has happened to anybody except a couple of coaches got fired, right? Bill Self, I love Bill Self, great guy, great coach, but nothing has happened to Kansas basketball. But their football program under David Beatty sure is in a hell of a lot of trouble right now for having some extra practices when they sucked. You know, the NCAA should have said, you guys can practice all you want. You know, then they hire less miles. You know, LSU's got a problem down there, but that doesn't. Nobody seems to be expediting that investigation. But Nebraska may have had a few practices, few workouts last year when they wanted to play, and nobody else wanted to play. Mm. Again, I, I just—it's it, beyond me to lump Nebraska to start talking about level one, level two, level three. If there's more, then bring it out, and I'll be the first to say that's a level one. But right now, working out. It just seems to be a bit over the top to start thinking it's a level one, violating the integrity of the NCAA. Level two is a significant violation. And level three is like gaining, may may or may not have gained, I believe that's the wording, may or may not have gained 
a negligible advantage over opponents based on the violation. Well, based on a punter from Illinois running around for 48 yards on fourth down and 14, I would say Nebraska gained a negligible advantage on whatever it is that they're accused of. Three and five was was not an advantage. That's what I would say. Last thought here, Bill. And so we've got Scott Frost. We've got year four. We've got the Illinois buildup. You've got that game as a launching point. You've got this cloud over it. Can we touch on just Scott's time here and just Nebraska on the field, but also the the attention to the program off of it? And Nebraska just nationally has been treated like a bit of a pinata through the, some of their own doing, through some folks that just want to get in there on Nebraska. The other side of it, too, is you've not done enough on, on field to kind of back your swag, at least the way you swaggered on in. And this, I didn't know that, that Illinois could get any more critical, but it sure as hell feels like it after this morning. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it, it comes with the job. You know, Scott's the guy. He's the face of the program. He's the shoulders of the program. So he's got to carry all that. Uh, Are his shoulders but, getting tired? Well, I would bet that, you know, to a certain extent, and this is just one more thing, because, you know, when you, when you read, and you're there closer, I'm, I'm watching this from 500 miles away, but I, I'm in tune to what's going on at practice best I can, and it, it, there just does seem to be a better vibe until today about this program. You know, Adrian Martinez looks good. The offensive line, there's depth. The receivers are big, and they can catch, and you've got a decent stable of running backs. The defense, you know, is a solid defensive line. We've got experience. The secondary might be one of the best groups in the entire country. So there's a lot of reasons to feel good about uh, about Nebraska football, and it does seem, you know, that the fall camp has gone well, that there is a good vibe until today. So this probably feels like a gut punch. Now, did he know? Well, probably that this was going on. I'm sure he did, but didn't think it was going to blow up like it did today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Scott's Scott's got the program. It is his, he's got the keys. But you know, he's not the one that fumbles. He's not the one that throws bad passes. He's not the one that you know doesn't tackle hard. He's not the one that misses blocks. Players still have to execute. You know, coaches have to coach well. Everything's got to be organized. It, you know, there's a whole team aspect to this. And everybody collectively has to, you know, rally around. And I think that this is a, a rallying point for those who are in the program, for those who follow the program, like all of us. And, and you've got to say, this is, a, this is our team, all right? We're going to go forward together. And I don't want to lump this in with, you know, what happened uh, in 1995. But I do remember prior to the Arizona State game that there was this you know, collective, you know, team, there was this team meeting. And those guys said, we are not going to be the ones who bring that man down there. That was Christian and Jason and Aaron and all those guys talking about coach Osborne. You know, this is a moment where this program needs to rally around Scott, the coaches, the athletic director and the direction that they want to go, that everything that they've worked for. I mean, the players have to take accountability for what they have worked for to get to this point and say, I'm not, I'm not going to have wasted my time the last nine months getting ready for this to just let it all go away because some guy wrote a story. It's time to rally around and play for each other and play for those who are still behind us and go forward and, and beat Illinois. Because if they give a, a you know, a, a half-assed effort against Illinois, 
and you see what happened last year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, against Illinois, uh, it is going to pretend for some probably pretty bad things. Uh, so, yeah, I agree it's an important game. Um, but it's it's an important game for a lot of reasons, not just to win, but for the, the psyche and the culture of the program uh, going forward for everybody. Perception is has been really rough right now. You've got this perception about Nebraska on the field, now off the field, and a chance to, to kind of change that view a little bit. Last thought here on McMurphy, Bill Dolman's with us. Brett McMurphy's kind of been the angel of death for some college football programs. Ohio State, Urban Meyer, and I remember McMurphy in front of me and in front of Urban at media days walking up and, and asking the, the, the question about Coach Smith as wide receivers coach. And then that turned into, well, Urban's suspended and then Urban's gone, right? Mm-hmm. You have Tennessee, they're ready to hire Shiano. Uh, somebody got to McMurphy, and El Shiano is part of Penn State staff. You know, what went on with his knowledge or lack of knowledge with the whole Sandusky thing, and all of a sudden Shiano can't go to Tennessee. Their AD gets whacked. Now you go to Nebraska, and, yeah, the on its face, are you practicing during a pandemic? Are you putting health and safety in some people's eyes at risk? Uh, that'll be something to, to answer for. And then, you know, what are you what are you doing or, or not doing? Are you policing your your analysts? You can have analysts, but what what's their role? What's their and, and to your point, there's a thousand basketball programs, it feels like, and some football programs that are still waiting for uh, for their punishment. And it's and it's not happened. So I just hope Nebraska doesn't get moved up in the line here. Uh, and and then this turns a really tough season already into uh, an un, undoable season because of what's going on off the field. Yeah, I, I I could see Nebraska doing something preemptively. And again, going back to what I said earlier, you know, some of the principals who were involved in this are no longer in the program for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And you know. I'm sure Trav and Scott may have a, a long talk, and I know Scott's got legal representation for whatever reason. Does that he, he weird you it. out? Uh, no, not really. Um, just, just given you know the, the NCAA. Yeah, well, whatever. I just it, it doesn't really surprise me these days that you know people don't lawyer up whenever you know there's something untoward coming your way. Um, but you know the, the Brett McMurphy thing. It, it just seems to be a look at me. Watch this, and and drawing attention to yourself when when you become part of the story. Which again, the that Oklahoma little little Oklahoma paragraph in the story today really kind of tells me all I all I needed to know that it, this wasn't necessarily a story about Nebraska um, being investigated. It's a story about Breck McMurphy reporting that Nebraska is being investigated, and that should not be. Uh, that should not be part of it. You're the reporter, but when all of a sudden it's I, me, and my, uh, that becomes about you. And that's not the, that's not the job of anybody to me in the media, unless you're a columnist uh, and you're a great one like Tom Chattel. But when you're reporting the story and trying to get clicks for a, a news outlet that's trying to be uh, competitive with the athletic and others that are already out there and established, and you're in the genre of the, you know, the era of sports gaming, which is, you know, completely blown wide open in the last year. 
you know, he he's doing what his bosses wanted him to do, and he's doing what his ego wanted him to do. And that's just the way it is, and unfortunately, that's the way journalism is these days. Bill Dolman with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Billy D. will talk Friday. Thanks for jumping in on a, a pretty interesting day around Nebraska football, bud. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't have an opinion for you. No, I know. I know. <laughs> Good stuff. Bill, take care. We'll check in next uh, later in the week. Go Big Red. There he is. Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports is Bill Dolman. Felt like a Bill Dolman moment. Seen and knows enough about Nebraska. Get his take on things. So you sent me this, Will, on Andy Staples. His work says the following here. If Nebraska winds up using this NCAA stuff to get out of at least part of the Scott Frost buyout, Nebraska's assistance could be royally screwed. All of them have weird paragraphs in their contract, but for some reason... It's uh, completely wild. The coach's continued employment is contingent upon the continued employment of their head coach. Accordingly, if the head football coach's employment with the university should end for any reason during the term of this agreement, the coach's employment and this agreement will terminate on the same date when the head coach's employment ends. The university shall be released from all further obligation to the coach under this agreement. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, you ready for some football? How you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming. It has been. We'll stay on the diamond for today. And just a really brutal scene with Oakland ace Chris Bissett. Uh, suffering a right cheek fracture that will require surgery, hitting the head by a line drive in Tuesday night's ball game. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was pretty gruesome. And uh, you had the White Sox medical staff and doctors and nurses rush. Uh, and you've got, you've got uh, Bassett in great care. But uh, nonetheless, and, and we've all seen those screamers back up the middle, Uh, A lot of times guys react. There was no time to react with Bassett. Uh, Let's get into this injury here when it comes to to facial contusions, let alone a fracture. And that cheekbone region is is pretty sensitive. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, these are generally managed by facial trauma specialists or maxillofacial type of surgeons who also do dental training or even um, some plastic surgery type of training. And so because mainly you have, you have all these structures and nerves that are right in that area where all the facial bones are, that there's a lot of, lot of different structures that can be damaged in a severe injury like this. Um, and so it sounds like they had to repair some lacerations as well um, and then potentially go back for an operation at a later date. So, potentially multiple operations. Uh, aside from just the, the damage done, how, and this, I don't mean to sound like a, a weak question here, but how serious is taking damage of that force to that part of the body? When we, when we talk about, you know, plastic surgery and reconstruction, but the, the cheekbone and, and how close it is to your eye. 
Yeah, so I think that's one of the biggest issues is that the difference between breaking an arm or a leg or a femur or something like that is you're basically you're damaging one extremity, you fix it, you wait for it to heal. But the problem is when you get hit in the face, you got all your sensory issues up there. You got your vision, you got your smell, you got your hearing, you got nerves that go right into that area. So if any of those are affected, and, and they likely will be with all the swelling, um, with whatever type of surgical procedure they're going to do, you know, it's potentially going to affect everything. Um, and so it's not one of those things where just once the pain is over and everything's healed after six to eight weeks, you start rehabbing and getting back. But these are things, life skills and, and daily activities that he's going to have to kind of learn and get used to again after surgery. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Chris Bassett, the uh, ace for Oakland, a liner off uh, the right side of his face, uh, uh, and uh, he is recovering. Dr. Ben, when it comes to, to getting back on the hill, at some point for, for Bassett, w- there's got to be some psychological gymnastics he's got to go through each time he throws a pitch, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. I think that's one of the defenseless positions for a pitcher is that, you know, you really can't control after that pitch leaves your hand how fast something comes back at you and the reaction time, you know, very, very quick and very difficult. And so, you know, I'm sure in the back of his mind, anytime he throws a pitch that something like that could potentially happen because it certainly can it can happen again. Uh, a little bit of that PTSD, I mean, is, is how I would chalk it up. Is that something that the sports psychologist can, can go through with him as well? Yeah, I think they'll be working with that after he gets all healed and after he's probably going to be doing some testing for vision and all, all the other sensory issues. But, yeah, I think that, you know, getting past the mental component of that is going to be one of the biggest issues because, you know, he's, he's going to have the best surgeons. He's going to have the best care to where he will heal uh, but yeah, getting past that psychological component, um, that's going to be difficult as he moves forward. The ball came off the White Sox player Brian Goodwin's bat at 100 miles per hour, and Bassett never lost consciousness. I want to dive back into the surgery side of things real quick, Dr. Ben. And how do you go about? fixing or or even reconstructing if if that's what's needed or if it's just a a break there's no maybe there is i don't know tell me is there a cast or is there you know how do you how do you get the healing process to begin yeah well in full disclosure i'm not on the side of fixing facial fractures however it's um you know if they're going to fix it the same way they're going to fix it the same way that we do for orthopedic injuries if whether they have to use small plates or small screws or just repair soft tissue to each other um you know that'll be up to the surgeon discretion and the experience and and where his fracture is but um yeah i mean very carefully those bones that are in the face and the injuries they're on such a smaller scale but yet they're on such a functional scale and so um you know it'll be a tedious surgery um, and it'll be a tedious repair, which the other, the other side of the story is you still got to get him to heal. And so that's, you know, it's probably going to affect his eat, you know, his eating and everything that has to do with facial expressions over time. So, um, it's going to be a long recovery for him. You know, the, the technical term, the displaced tripod fracture to the right cheek. What, what is that specifically a, a tripod fracture displaced? Does that mean that the bone was out? Yeah, well, and I think it's it's actually just a it's a 
name that they use for this specific type of fracture in the cheek, just like there's, you know, there's Jones fractures in the foot. And it's likely from whoever coined the term, that's kind of what they called it um, when they had initially started classifying these fractures. That's likely where it came from. When it comes to feeling, uh, is there concern about nerve damage in that region of the face? Well, some of the cutaneous nerves, which are the nerves basically in the skin, if those are affected, then yes. Um, You know, I'd be a lot more concerned about the sensory issues going to the eye and and the the facial nerves that are coming across the face. If any of those are affected from the actual injury, I think those would be a lot more problematic just because those are going to be pertaining to a lot of dysfunction. Um, you know, it's one thing to get your extremity back, like I said, but, mm-hmm. you know, these, these guys naturally are just using all their senses without even knowing it. And so once one of those, if those are not working, then it really is going to affect, especially somebody like him who's an ace for them. Well, with uh, Bassett, his uh, eyesight was normal when they released him from the hospital on Tuesday. That is great. He also had to have... Uh, stitches for two different facial lacerations and that's never uh, we've you know as, as kids a lot of us one time or another we're, we're messing around and I mean I had state stitches on on my face and even even the slightest cut I mean it's just a, a river of blood Yeah, and the other thing that you worry about a little bit, depending on the extent of the injury with the bones, is that that's technically like an open fracture. So a compound fracture is more of a common term. But if you have a cut right over that bone, you know, you have other risks. You got risk of infection. You got risk of the wound not healing. And so it brings on a whole other set of issues that um, you really start thinking about and being concerned about. So they'll, they'll certainly keep a close eye on that to make sure nothing goes awry. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Chris Bessett, the uh, ace for Oakland, and his uh, face, facial fracture are Jock Doc today. Dr. Ben, we'll get caught up soon. Uh, we'll get ready for kickoff, and thanks for a few minutes today. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Chris. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Great stuff today, Aaron Sorensen, Bill Dolman, and you. Get to some of your emails uh, tomorrow as well. Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Willie on the radio. Tomorrow on the program, uh, Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get his take on Husker football, the NCAA. Volleyball's going to go kill it again this year, so we'll get Vogue's take on things. Again, Bill Dolman, magnificent. A two-parter with Billy D. Podcast. Find us, follow us, subscribe. It don't cost you nothing. As Blue Tarski said, as, uh, we had the two new recruits walking into Animal House. Don't cost you nothing. Now, we won't, you know, go potty on your, your shoes like like Belushi's character did. But give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Tell us what you think. Uh, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes for Hale Varsity 
Radio. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-4663-7786-800-825-5865. Reminder about buckling up, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Willie J, is it is it time for a cold one? Is it is it Miller time tonight for you? Yeah, well, you know, I think I got Stella's in the fridge Ooh. out at home. Again, living with the parents, it's not like I'm forking Brother, up the 12, you know, for a six-pack. Dad, dad still, and Joe Mama's maintained it to this day, has a stocked beer fridge oh. in the garage. It's a prerequisite with uh, the little <clears throat> spa they have in back. Oh, man. But, yes. That sounds all right. <laughs> well, it's been a, a long weird. day. Wait, we all want to come over and go swimming. I can't do that. I mean, you're invited always. But okay, I, good. It would just be weird for me. 43-year-old guy, 21-year-old dude. Will, do you want to come over and swim? Yeah, but if we make clear, we're just coming over to drink <laughs> to beer and swim. Yeah, we're yeah. just going to drink beer. There's yeah. no trank dart. Nothing. Yeah. Exactly. So, there you have it. Schmitty, it's it's been a weird day, man. It's been a long day. Do you need a coffee? Need a hug? No, I'm feeling good. I'm, I think I'm going to try and play nine holes of this little golf course over Are you? where I live. So yeah, why not? You know, little Wellington. Yeah, that's right. All right. Yeah, I think I broke a window there. Yeah. Well, we all have. Uh-huh. And somebody, uh huh. Somebody, you know, it's much like you got to walk up there with your dad or your guardian. <laughs> Well, tell them what you did. It was a reenactment of, uh, of that proportion today, about eleven thirty. <laughs> And broke a window off the tea box. <laughs> but, dude, check the podcast out. Enjoy. What else, Shaken? You're going to go swing the clubs? Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm going to pour a cold one. What? Yeah, are you? Yeah, I, I'm going to make a grill run. I have four ears of corn there you in go. the fridge that I'm going to boil for about four and a half minutes with a little salt. And I will keep my, my corn streak going. I was going to say, yeah, you've been on the corn grind recently. That's right. But I will I will eat in moderation, allegedly. But uh, no, tomorrow we will get Gary Barnett's perspective on all of this. Barney will join us. Excited to talk with him, get his take on things. And I think the common, not all, but the common take is who bleeping cares about the workouts? I know it's during a pandemic. And who cares about the analysts? I know there's specifics, but the NCAA is about, they're about down for the 10 count. All right. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.30.